0: Tonight we will not be looking at each and every verse. I'm going to actually just summarize for you, and then cover what I think are the important principles here for us in Leviticus 27, and then I hope to look at some of the corresponding New Testament principles uh, that I believe we can we can see uh, relevance in connection with this chapter. Uh, This chapter, and the the title of this chapter, for terms of our our study, is dedication and redemption. And these are the instructions wherein God is going to give Moses the instruction for the people, the nation of Israel, on redeeming persons and property that have been dedicated to the Lord. Now, this is the way it would work. Someone would have a sense, a desire to bless the Lord, to make an offering to the Lord. And they would dedicate themselves to the Lord. And they would take a vow of dedication. Uh, You may remember Hannah. Hannah when she was praying and crying out for a child from the Lord. And so, and Lord, if you would just but give me a male son, I will dedicate him to the service of the Lord. And sure enough, she did receive a child, Samuel. And she took him to the temple as soon as he was of age and dedicated him to the service of the Lord. And he stayed there in the temple and served the Lord. Well, others would want to do this same kind of dedication, but... The Levites and the priests were already busy taking care of the of things in the temple. So not all individuals that wanted to dedicate and vow themselves to the Lord were needed in the service of the Lord. So rather, what they were able to do, and this is what God gives instruction for here, they could redeem that dedication back. They could redeem persons. They could redeem property. Uh, they could redeem animals that they wanted to dedicate and... Uh, offer to the lord rather if they were not needed if their services were not practically needed in the work of the lord what they could do is then redeem them back and they would go and they would they would get a valuation. if okay i want to dedicate my son to the lord depending on his age and uh, whether it was a male or female and all of it was predicated on how much work they would be able to actually accomplish if they did stay and serve the lord and based on that there would be a valuation okay then you can redeem this son back. You can redeem this person back. An evaluation was put on them, and then they would pay money into uh, the work of the ministry. So God uh, sets up this opportunity for those that really just wanted to, to make an offering to the Lord, give a, a vow of dedication. He gives them opportunity to do this practically, and then it would be redeemable financially. So it would become something of an offering For them in verses and we again I won't be reading all of these but I will summarize for you in verses one through eight we see the regulations for the redeeming of persons uh, back after being dedicated in verses nine through thirteen it talks about the redemption for animals in in verses fourteen through twenty five the redemption of property Uh, and then in verses twenty six through thirty four there were some things that were unredeemable they could not be redeemed and we'll discuss some of that here. Uh, as we look forward, let me just say a little bit on what these vows and giving to the Lord were intended to be. They were, first of all, to be free will offerings. These were not mandatory offerings. No one was forced to dedicate themselves to the Lord, but rather they would offer themselves out of, the, out of just a generosity in their own heart. God stirred them, and maybe you felt that. Maybe you've been so touched by the Lord. Maybe you've been so blessed by the Lord in a certain season of your life and something, to, oh, I just want to offer something to the Lord. I want to give of myself. I wanna, maybe I want to give of my service or I want to give financially to a work. God's blessing in your life is just stirring your heart and you want to offer something to God. And this was a practical way wherein the nation could do so and then redeem it back. And it was to be a free will offering, but it was to be done with integrity. What this means is, you weren't supposed to make a vow today and then tomorrow change your mind. Yeah, that was just—I got caught up in the emotions, Lord. I, you know, I don't really want to dedicate this thing to you. You know, that turns out I need this goat, and uh, we're just, you know, never mind. No, God, uh, God wanted these offerings to be done with integrity, so you weren't haphazardly. You know, making vows and making promises, making these dedications. No, there would be a redemptive price. If you wanted that goat back, you would have to go and buy him back. So it, it instilled something of an integrity into this whole idea of offering to the Lord that you would do it seriously, that you would do it sincerely. Uh, not only uh, were, you, were you commanded to keep that vow that you made to the Lord, uh, but you were also to give the very best. For example, if you wanted to vow... An animal to the Lord, you could not then later substitute an inferior animal for the offering. No, God wanted you to give the very best. You needed to do this with integrity. Uh, You may remember the prophet Malachi. he, He rebuked the people of Israel for this. We won't turn to it, but it's in Malachi 1, verses 13 and 14. And he actually corrects the people. He said, you know, you, you make an offering. Oh, I want to make an offering to the Lord. I want to dedicate an animal from my flock to the Lord. And then you bring the worst one. You bring the crippled, the blind one. You bring the one you don't need anyway. Oh, here you go, Lord. It's kind of like your leftovers for God. And God rebukes the heart of the people and saying, You're missing the point of really making an offering unto God. This is to, a way to honor God. This is a way to give thanks to God. This is not a way to just kind of go through the motions of offering something, any old thing. Well, we can't use it. Take it to the church, you know. And it's not that I, that's not the idea that God wanted uh, for his people. So it had to be done with integrity. And then there were some things that could not be redeemed. The firstborn of your animals. These could not be redeemed because these already belonged to the Lord. You see, in God's mind, there were some things that were already His. The firstborn of the flock, and also the tithe, the first 10% of your produce. So these things you could give, but you could not redeem them back. God wanted that firstborn, it was His. So you couldn't make a big to-do. Lord, I'm going I'm to give you what's already yours. No, it's already His, you would give it anyway, there's no special offering and no redeemable option for you. you give that firstborn of the flock you give and bring a tenth of your crop and first fruits to the Lord this tithe the tenth ten percent belonged to God now God would allow you to redeem the tithe back, but if you really wanted the tithe, so let's say you bring in a big harvest and you bring in you know ten percent of your crop or fruit, but you're really want, you need those, that crop, you could then redeem the crop back, but it, because it was already the Lord's for it to become really an offering, then you had to give 120% of the value. You couldn't just buy it back dollar for dollar because it was already God's. So if you wanted it to become an offering, something of a sacrifice, something you're giving to God, then you would actually pay a 20% surcharge to redeem back the tithe. So we see God's heart in this, God wanting to give His people opportunity to give, God wanting to give His opportunity, His people opportunity to uh, express themselves through generosity and giving to the Lord. But we also see the shrewdness of the Lord, don't we? We see God knowing the heart of men and putting in some regulations so that man would not then take advantage of, of the opportunity, so that man would not just get into some religious duty, oh yeah, oh yeah, time to give, let's make an offering to the Lord, we've done it every year, and then getting into something that would be done with less than full integrity. Well, those are the principles that we see kind of laid out for us in Leviticus chapter 27, and what I'd like to do is have you turn with me in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. I want to talk about a New Testament passage that speaks of giving unto the Lord, Uh, and just give a little bit of kind of new testament version if you will of a free will offering to the lord that which you would desire and purpose in your heart second corinthians what did i say did i say first corinthians okay second corinthians chapter 9 and the apostle paul is going to give some instruction here to the corinthian church concerning an offering that they have decided to give to the lord let me set the context here for you The Apostle Paul has been traveling from church to church, collecting an offering that he is going to be taking on to Jerusalem. The saints in Jerusalem were suffering under great persecution, and they were hurting. And so what Paul was doing was collecting support for those Christians in Jerusalem from the other outlying churches, the churches that were not suffering so much in persecution. He was collecting an offering to then take it, and present it to the church in Jerusalem to help those that were struggling in Jerusalem. So he's on this missionary trip collecting these things, and as he's been traveling, uh, the church in Corinth has pledged or promised an offering. We want to participate. We want to give to the work. We want to collect an offering from our church to give to Paul to take with him into Jerusalem. So now Paul is writing this letter before he arrives. And he, he covers a number of things uh, in, this, in this book of 2 Corinthians. But what he's speaking of specifically here in chapter 9 is getting them ready for that offering. Hey guys, remember, uh, this was an offering that you agreed to give to the church. And I'm letting you know before I get there uh, that you need to go ahead and get that offering ready. Lest when I get there, uh, you forgot about the offering or you're not quite ready for the offering and we're all embarrassed. So he actually practically gives them a heads-up that he's coming, and he reminds them of their vow, and he gives this instruction. And I think there's some good principles for us as we consider uh, New Testament giving. Look with me, verses 1 through 5. The first thing you'll notice is that there is a diligence in giving. Now, concerning the ministering to the saints, it is superfluous for me to write to you. For I know your willingness, about which I boast of you to the Macedonians, that Achaia was ready a year ago, and your zeal has stirred up the majority. Yet I have sent the brethren, lest our boasting of you should be in vain in this respect, that as I said, you may be ready. Lest if some Macedonians come with me and find you unprepared, we, not to mention you, should be ashamed of this confident boasting." Therefore, I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren to go to you ahead of time and prepare your generous gift beforehand, which you had previously promised, and that it may be ready as a matter of generosity and not as a grudging obligation. So Paul very practically spells out some some principles here concerning giving. He wants them to be diligent in their giving. Listen, make sure that it's ready. Don't just kind of... Think of your giving to the Lord as, you know, what have I got on me right now in the spur of a moment. But rather, be diligent in planning and thinking about what God would have you to give to His work. And Paul is instructing this here. Listen, you guys, you know what you've committed. Now, be diligent about getting it ready. It's going to take some planning, isn't it? And when I get there, you may not have it all with you unless you're diligent now. To give consistently into the into the resource so that it will be ready. It may require some proper budgeting. Uh, You may have to prepare yourself. Uh, You may you, you know you may have to set aside some consistent and regular giving in order to meet the offering and the giving that you've determined in your heart. And the reason that you need to be diligent with these things is so that when you give it, it's not a burden. It's something that just you're, you're willing to give generously because you've well prepared for it. And I do think that that speaks to us concerning our sense of giving uh, into the church and to the work of God today. That we should be diligent in our giving. We should set aside that which God has put in our heart to give. And we should do it diligently. We should do it consistently. Uh, otherwise, you know what happens. Oh, I want to give this amount, but if we fail to be diligent and kind of setting that amount aside every week or months go by and three months go by and, oops, oh, I forgot. I wanted to be you know, giving something to the Lord, but now I, I can't afford to give that now. I'll just have to give what I have left over. And this is exactly what Paul is trying to prevent, that their giving would be taken seriously, that their giving would, giving would be done uh, with a diligence and a real... Um, uh, consistency notice he says that in verse 5 that this is which you had previously promised you know there's nothing wrong with committing in your heart that which you want to give uh, Paul did not set the amount for them Paul did not mandate this this is not Paul squeezing the churches for resources this is a people that say hey we want to be a part of what God's doing we want to be a part of, of what God's doing in Jerusalem. We want to be a part. We want our church to participate in the furthering of God's kingdom. We want to support the work of God. And so it's a it's a free will giving. It's a it's a, a matter of a heart. But Paul is saying, listen. In order to do that, um, be prepared to keep your promise, keep your commitment, and be diligent with it, so that when I come, you can give it as a matter of generosity and not as a grudging obligation. Oh, that's right. We told Paul we'd give him that money. Oh boy, this is going to really hurt now. Okay, but we promised. Oh, I wish I'd set a little aside here a few months back, but now, okay, (laughs) bless the Lord. Uh, Praise God, my giving. You you know, you can kind of see what Paul is getting at. That our giving needs to be done generously. It needs to be done from the heart. And in order to do that, We should be diligent and consistent so that it does not sneak up on us and become a burden. Verses 6-11, through I want you to notice with me the blessing of giving. And being read... Oops, sorry. Uh, But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity. For God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. As it is written, He has dispersed abroad, He has given to the poor, His righteousness endures forever. Now may He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, supply and multiply the seed you have sown, and increase the fruits of your righteousness which you while you are enriched in everything for all liberality which causes thanksgiving through us to God. Paul speaks of the blessing that God gives to the giver. There is an encouragement here for generosity. He reminds them, listen, if you sow sparingly, you're going to reap sparingly. And that makes sense just from a farming standpoint, right? If you if you don't sow much uh, seed, you're not going to get much harvest. And Paul, is, of course, is applying this in a in a generous financial situation. If you will give generously, you will reap a generous harvest. The, if you sow into the work generously, then then the work will you'll reap a great harvest in that work generously. Now we know that there have been great abuses on this principle giving and sowing into the work of God and expecting God to kind of bring something back to you. Uh, this has been abused. This has been used by various TV evangelists and ministries and mail order ministries to, to fleece the flock of God. Almost almost like appealing to people's greed. Give today and you'll receive tomorrow. You know, Almost like a slot machine. Put it in, see what you get. And... You know, it, it, it's unfortunate that these things have been, you know, put out there as they have, and it's put a sour taste in all of our mouths on the subject of money, hasn't it? I know the world is soured by it. They see this Christian, you know, so-called Christian machine in motion, and it and it's just distasteful. You can see right through it. It's all about money. It's all about, you know, just trying to get people to give money in hopes that God will give something back to them. And, it's, and, you know, it, it causes me, I'll just be honest, it causes me almost uh, a reluctance to even speak about money. There's such a bad vibe on the church for money that I almost stay away from the topic like a plague. And yet we can't deny that the Scripture gives us principles about managing our money and about our giving. So to ignore it, to stay away from it, well, then the only voice you ever hear is this bad voice that's teaching these principles wrongly. So we do have to speak of these things, and I just say that so you'll know my heart. We're not interested in in motivating you in any carnal way, in any kind of manipulative sort of way. We're only interested in you understanding the principles that God blesses those that give. God blesses the generous heart. God will give abundantly to those whom He knows will we'll be generous with the resources that he entrusts them to with. All of it comes from God. It all belongs to God. We are merely stewards of that which he puts in our hand. And so we, we want to understand these principles. Let me remind you of what Jesus said in Luke chapter 6, in verse 38. He said, Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, uh, it will be measured back to you. Jesus teaches this principle very clearly. As you give, God will give. And in the measure that you give, God will give back to you. And Jesus said God will give back even abundantly more than what you give. Press down, shaken together. I don't know if you've ever cleaned leaves out of the front yard. But, you know, not very long, and you got a bag full of leaves. Well, if you press it down and shake it together, you can go a lot, you put a lot more leaves in that bag. That's the idea. God is going to bless those who are generous in their giving and those that trust God to bless them and to direct their resources. Proverbs 11, verse 24 There is one who scatters, yet increases more, and there is one who withholds more than is right, but it leads to poverty. The generous soul will be made rich, and he who waters will also be watered himself. Is God a generous giver? If God is a generous giver, what do you think he would like his children to look like? He wants them he wants us to be generous in our giving as well. It's not just money, it's of time, it's of your resource, of your life. A generous heart, an open life not just self-centered and, and holding on and, re, and holding back. And the Proverbs speaks here, listen, to the, so the one that seems to just walk with a generous way, a very gracious and giving way, they seem to always have enough. But to the one who is very miserly, he seems to never have enough. And it's because God will honor that which is given in the Spirit and in obedience to Him in a generous way. I love what he says there in 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 7, that God loves a cheerful giver. God is looking for those that would actually find delight in giving. And that's the spirit, really, of Leviticus 27, that you know, God is giving away for people that are just stirred up in their heart. I want to give to God. You know, God's been so good, He's blessed me. I don't have a lot, but I want to give a portion of what I have to the work of God. And that's and there's a joy in that. There's a sense of God willing to receive that. And it goes into furthering the kingdom. A cheerful giver is what God is looking for. And He says, as He purposes in His own heart. You're not under obligation. There's no directed amount. There's no, you know... Uh, tax that we charge in in the church as the lord would instruct your heart let the lord speak to you ask the lord lord i want to give i want to be a giver i want to be an open heart i want to be a, a generous hand i want to be participating in the work of ministry god what would you put in my heart what can i manage what can be what can i comfortably give and i want to purpose that in my heart and then give it cheerfully don't give what you can't afford Give what God has enabled you to give. You remember Jesus talking about that woman who gave just the two mites. He said she's given more than all. She gave all that she had. It's not the amount, but rather the heart and, and what it represents in the giving that God is interested in. God's not looking for money. He's looking for cheerful givers. He's looking for those that are generous of spirit. And this pleases the Lord. And this is a great blessing of giving. Knowing that you are doing something that actually blesses and pleases God. Uh, And everything that we have comes from Him. Uh, Just as we saw there in verse 8, I read it. God is able to make all grace abound to you. That you having all sufficiency in all things may have abundance for every good work. God is the one that will entrust. God is the one that will give strength to your hand to increase and to gain wealth. God gives this grace, and in so doing, he looks for you to be a good steward of these things. And uh, finally here, I want you to look at verses 12 through 15. there is a ministry in giving, a ministry in giving. For the administration of this service not only supplies to the needs of the saints, but it's also abound, but, it, but also is abounding through many thanksgivings to God. While through the proof of this ministry they glorify God for the obedience of your confession to the gospel of Christ and for your liberal sharing with them and all men, and by their prayer for you who long for you because of the exceeding grace of God in you, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. There is a ministry in giving. There is a blessing that abounds as we are generous in what God has entrusted to us. I've shared with you before some of the resources that we are able to send over to India. And you just can't, until you go there, and some have gone with me, you you can't appreciate until you see uh, how far our small resources are able to go uh, in that country and in that place that you you can't really appreciate the ministry that goes out from this church, you know, as we were down in Tijuana this past weekend, just giving of our time giving of of our resources as a church fellowship, some of you th- those of you that went, you saw the kind of people that were coming through, you saw the kind of people that were coming to have an opportunity to get a doctor visit, you saw the kind of people that were standing in line just to get a, a meal. And you also saw the hearts listening to the Gospel and giving their lives to Christ. There is a ministry in giving. It is the way of the Kingdom. And it is the way of God. For God so loved the world that He gave. And He held nothing back in His giving. God was not miserly in His giving. He did not look through heaven and say, hmm, what can we spare? Is there any kind of puny angel that we could send down to help? He gave His only begotten Son. He gave the very best. There's a song we sing, The Darling of Heaven. The very best is what God has given. And it is the heart of God and there is such a powerful ministry that goes out as we give. It produces prayer. It produces love. God is glorified through these things. Saints are are ministered to. The work of God abounds as we are generous in our giving. As we noticed back in Leviticus, there was mention there of the tithe, the 10%. Tithe simply means tenth. So if you say, oh yeah, I I tithe 5%, that doesn't make any sense. Tithe means tenth. I tenth 5%. (laughs) That doesn't make any sense. Tithe means 10%. And I want to talk about that just a moment here because there's often questions, you know, in the New Testament. We know that in the Old Testament, under the law, there were actually mandatory offerings. Now, what we've been looking at here in Leviticus 27 are the free will offerings, those above and beyond the mandatory offerings that the people desired to give. But mention is made there of the tithe, and, and the scripture says now the tithe is not redeemable, the tithe is not extra, the tithe is already mine, it already belongs to the Lord. There are a couple different views on this for New Testament application. What about, is the tithe just something of an Old Testament principle, the law? We're not under the law, so we're no longer obligated to a tithe or a tenth in our giving. So what should a Christian in the New Testament give? And there are some different ideas. Some some think, no, the tithe is really the standard for all time. And they cite a, a passage in Genesis where Abraham and this was before the giving of the law, Abraham gave a tenth of what he had to Melchizedek. You may remember that story. And Melchizedek was something of a a type of Christ in terms of his priesthood. And and so uh, some believe that, you know, this kind of sets the tithe as a precedent for all time. It was given before the law. Abraham, in giving his tithe to Melchizedek, set a pattern for all giving, for all time that a tithe, the tenth, would always belong to the Lord. And some believe that. And it may be true. It may be that this is something that God, that predates the law, and the law just simply kind of formalized what God desired, and that we would still kind of, even in the New Testament, kind of be governed by that. Some say that, and, and it may be true. I have to say, personally, I, I can't quite make that leap. I understand the logic of that. I understand the example of Melchizedek. But Abraham only gave that one time to Melchizedek. He gave a tenth. It was not a regular offering that he was giving. And I can't find enough New Testament support for the idea that we as New Testament Christians should be tithing, giving a ten percent. Now, I could be wrong. Uh, It may be that that is really something that God does look for in our hearts. I would say this that it is at least a good example for us. It is, if nothing else, some, something of a guideline, a pattern, maybe a place for us to start because the question comes up, well, what should I give? Well, a tenth, this tithe does seem to be a principle throughout the Scriptures. I don't believe we're mandated to it. I don't believe the New Testament requires it as it did, as it was required under the law. But I would say you could use it as a guide, and I would simply appeal to this. Should we, who live under the better covenant of grace, should we be giving less than those who gave under the old covenant? Should we look as, at, at this new blessing God has poured out even more upon us? Should we now be giving him less it's something to consider. It's something to pray about. And I, I don't mean to put any pressure. I simply point these things out because it's often a question. And my heart is simply, let each man give as he purposes in his own heart. Let the Lord lead you. Let the Lord teach you principles in giving. I have found that in my giving, uh, God will honor the giving. And I've got to be honest, I, you know, I kind of tested it a little first. I didn't just like give... All out? Wait a minute. This We better see if this works. <laughs> and so you give what you know that you can manage. And you see if that is something that God is able to sustain. And then as your faith grows and as your walk with God grows, I believe there comes up in your heart a desire to do more for the kingdom. And even to the point sometimes of taking a step of faith. Giving even sacrificially. Let's give. My heart, the Lord spoke in my heart. I want to do this for these brothers in India. I want to. I'll tell you right now. I want to buy that pastor Uthama a jeep. I want to buy him a jeep. Now I don't know. I can't spring it all on my own, but I'm going to talk to our board as a church. I want to buy that jeep. And let's just step out as a church. Let's give to the work that God is doing there. Let's give this man a, a wheels. He'll drive all over that southern India preaching the gospel, places you and I can never get to. But let's empower him. I'm just using this kind of as a. As a little bit of a teaching time for us on our giving, you know, we had our um, meet and greet uh, week, when was it last Sunday or Sunday before last? Wherein we invite all of the new uh, people to the fellowship, those that have recently started to attend Calvary Chapel, Monrovia. They have, you know, they they came out and we have a little luncheon for them. We introduce them to the leadership, just a kind of a chance to kind of get to know them, shake hands, meet them personally. If you're new to the fellowship, we're going to be continuing to do this on a quarterly or six-month basis. We'll see how the Lord leads, but that's our desire. So just open up and welcome people and let them ask questions about the ministry, give a little history, who we are, what we're about. And one of the questions came up, um, somebody raised their hand and said, you know, you never take an offering at this church. Where, how do you give into this ministry? And I said, well, you just see me right after the service. <laughs> and so I shared just a little bit about how our collection, if you will, our receiving of offerings evolved and took place. Uh, but it dawned on me that, you know, Lord, it's probably not good for people to be in our church and not even know how to give. I certainly don't want people to feel manipulated to give, and I certainly don't want to be pressuring to give but I have to at least give some instruction on how to give as the Lord would lead you. Because it is a blessing for you to give and to participate in the work. And I shared, you know, what we as a church experienced when we first came up to Monrovia. There was just a handful of us, you know, 12, 15 people. And most of us were, you know, some, six of them were my own family. And, and, and the rest of us were all, you know, pretty much come up to do the work. You know, we were all together. And it just didn't make any sense at all to pass an offering plate to ourselves, you know. Uh, so we decided, no, we're not ready to take an offering. Let's just have a Bible study and start a service. And then over time, we decided we would just leave a basket in the back of the room where we were meeting. We were just meeting in a room at the community center. And so we left a little basket back on the table with a little cardboard index card, you know, offering. And people just started to sew their offering into that basket. Very informal, very easy because there just wasn't that many of us. And that just kind of became our way of receiving offerings. We never really passed the plate. We never just never kind of outgrew our way of doing it. And God seemed to honor it because all of the resources that we have needed as a ministry have always been met. We've never been laid on rent. We've never never missed a bill. God has abundantly supplied and richly blessed the work. So we kind of don't want to tamper with the formula. It seems to be working. So you'll notice we have offering boxes at the back of the sanctuary and a couple out in the fellowship hall. They're not even labeled. I'm thinking maybe I should at least label them. but Or maybe every now and then I'll just remind you. By the way, as the Lord leads you to give, those are the places that we receive offering. Now, there's nothing wrong with passing an offering plate. And, and it may come in time that we we will need to do that just for practical, logistical reasons. But today... This seems to be working fine for the ministry and we're content to allow the Lord to continue to provide as He has. But it is important for you to know the principles of giving so that you wouldn't need the plate to remind you, oh yeah, I have a stewardship here. Oh yeah, I have a responsibility in this ministry. Our hope is that you will commit these things in your own heart and be diligent. Uh, And as I mentioned, as far as I can tell, you have because God has abundantly supplied. And it comes through the generosity and the giving of God's people. Each man has given as he's purposed in his own heart. So these are good principles for us. These are good ideas for us to consider, even in our practical giving. And I would encourage you to continue to be faithful as the Lord leads you. We're very, very blessed to see what the Lord has done. Finally tonight, I want to talk about this whole idea of redemption. It is redemption that God used in Leviticus as the means by which people could offer and then redeem back what they offered. If you offered uh, a son, you could redeem him back. And that redemption required a paying of a price into the offering in order to redeem back uh, that that which you had offered. And of course, uh, I want to conclude tonight with... Reminding us of the greatest redemption that was ever done and that was the redemption That was paid for you and me by the blood of jesus christ We were bought back We were redeemed Not by money not with money But by the precious blood of jesus christ I want to close with just a few verses that will remind you of this great truth because I think it's it's intended to be in the heart uh, of Leviticus 27 as well. A beginning to, for the people to understand this principle of redemption and what God would ultimately do for all of us in Christ. Galatians 3.13 Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Christ paid the price for our sins and redeemed us from the curse. Titus 2 and verse 14, speaking of Jesus, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. You are, if you've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ, you are his own special people. You belong to him. You're no longer your own. You have been bought by the precious blood of Jesus. First Peter verse one eighteen and nineteen, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Jesus, the sinless man, paying the price of for the sins of men. And a redemption, a, an exchange was made. And finally, that that passage out of the book of Revelation, chapter 5, and this is a vision of heaven. This is a vision of, of, of worship, a giant worship service going on in heaven. And this is what the saints say and sing. And they sang a new song saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood, out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation, and have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. Jesus Christ is the ultimate Redeemer. Jesus Christ came and died on a cross, paying the price for sins that we committed and could have never redeemed ourselves. The price was too high. We were completely in bondage and sold with no hope of ever being bought out. But Jesus, Jesus came. And the, and the chorus there in Revelation is, you, you, you bought us, You were slain for us, You redeemed us out of every tribe. All look, Just even look around here tonight. The redemption price has been paid for all different types of people, all different backgrounds. God is not a respecter of persons. He loves the world and is looking to redeem each and every one of us that will trust in Him through faith and give our lives to Him. And uh, it is a beautiful picture, really. Leviticus, this whole buying back is a picture of what God has done. I, I came and I bought you back. And now you're mine. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for this teaching in Leviticus 27 and and the principles, Lord, that it, it guides us to in the New Testament as well. Father, I pray that we as your children would be generous, that we would be so blessed and so confident in your goodness to us and your provision for us, that our hearts would just long to be generous. And Lord, I don't mean merely finances. I mean giving of our time, our effort, sacrificing, Lord, uh, to, to serve you and to give of ourselves unto you. And Lord, I pray that you would guide us as a church as we consider, Lord, how to invest those resources that you bring into the ministry here. Lord, as our church has grown in recent years, there are there are needs, Lord. We have needs for probably staff people, Lord, in ministry helping us. Children's ministry has grown and become something of significance, Lord. The worship ministry, the uh, the various pastoring duties, Lord. That that we as a church need to be faithful with, Lord. I, I pray that you would provide the resources to take care of this body that you have raised up, and not only this body, Lord, but I, I'm thinking of those those mission fields that we have opportunity to sow into. And God, I pray that that, we would, uh, that our hearts would be stirred, and that we would recognize that we would take care of this body and that we would then look to take care of the larger body, the work of God uh, that you have given us opportunity to sow into as a church. Help us to be generous, Lord, to be givers, to be like our Father, to resemble you in this way. Because, Lord, I believe that you will take care of us. I believe, Lord, that you will watch over us as we become good stewards of the resources that you entrust. And finally here tonight, Lord, I want to close in my prayer concerning redemption. And as our heads just remain bowed here for a moment, I I want to give an opportunity for those of you that may be here tonight That have never really allowed Jesus Christ to pay the price for your sins. You're here tonight and God is speaking to you and you realize, "I I need to be forgiven and I'll never be able to earn it on my own. But Jesus has redeemed you with his blood. Jesus has come to cleanse you and to buy you back and to buy you out of the life and the and, and, the, and the sin and the habit and the, and the difficulty that you're, you're walking in. And, and God's speaking to you. You know in your heart He wants you to respond to Him. I want to pray for you. If you're here tonight and you've never received Jesus into your heart as a Savior, allowing Him to completely redeem you, let me pray for you. Invite Him into your heart tonight. Maybe you're here tonight and you need to rededicate your life to Him. You've grown distant and cold in your walk and relationship. But you're just being reminded tonight of the redemption, the love that God has for you, the price that He paid, how He wants you back, how He desires you to walk close with Him. Come, allow Him to cleanse you afresh and anew. Walk in close fellowship with Him tonight. So if you're here tonight and you need the Lord for the very first time in your life, or you need to come and rededicate, recommit your life to Him, would you raise your hand so that I can see you and I'll pray for you? Anybody here tonight, God is speaking to you, and you want to be prayed for? Anyone tonight, you need to be redeemed by Jesus. Father, we do thank You for Your Word to us tonight. We thank You, Lord, for this journey through the book of Leviticus. God, it's been rich, it's been good, it's been insightful. We've learned something of Your holiness, something of Your love, something of Your desire for relationship with us. And Lord, in these things we have been blessed. I pray, God, that You will fill our hearts afresh and anew with Your love and Your Word as we sing and close in worship here tonight. May You be glorified. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me tonight and we'll close in a song of worship.